0: Welcome to the Cheryl Reeves Show and welcome to Pizza Luce Downtown. Please, everybody here, give Cheryl a hand for coming out and doing these shows. We do appreciate it. Give yourselves and, a and hand. Thank you all for, for coming, coming out. out. We appreciate it. It's good to see you all. Uh, Cheryl, I heard the word Bahamas. I was <laughs> eavesdropping, as reporters will do. I heard the word Bahamas. What is the going on with that?
1: Well, you know, it's it's a tough job, but there's some scouting going on down in the Bahamas uh, this coming week. Uh, over the, the the week of Thanksgiving, there's actually a total of about four tournaments that from the from uh, prior to Thanksgiving to post Thanksgiving. Uh, University of Minnesota Golden Gophers will be down there, the women's team. So I'll get a chance to see Lindsay. I'm going all the way to the Bahamas to get her catch her for the first time this season. Uh, they're going to play against UConn. So that that tournament mm-hmm. is probably the kind of the maybe call it the blue chip tournament of, of the ones that are going on. So. Um, get to do that. And then, uh, you know, if you want to, you can hop over to St. Thomas. There's a couple tournaments over there as well. Um, My family frowned upon me being gone for about 10 days, hanging out in the islands. So I will just be doing the one tournament so that I can remain hitched. Uh, Otherwise I'm looking at probably divorce papers in the mail. Carly,
0: Carly, it's very (laughs) important to hit all of the islands in the (laughs) search for talent. You got to go to St. Thomas, Antigua, um, Malta. I mean, Tokyo, whatever. I mean, she's got to get out there.
1: You know, where else can you find a concentrated number of players? There's like 30 prospects. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, Mike, Mike Tebow, and I both were working on our families, and, and Mike won his battle, so he gets to have his wife there for more than a week hanging out in the Bahamas, but... Uh, Yeah, we'll make the best of it. I'm sure you will.
0: And by (laughs) the way, you mentioned uh, Lindsay Whalen and Mike Thibault, who are both here for the last live show here. I want to thank Lindsay Whalen, Carly Tebow, Mike Thibault for being here. It was a blast. Uh, I really appreciate it. I want to thank them
1: for for being here. I I, I didn't get a chance to obviously come to the show, uh, listen to the show, thought it was awesome. Um, I think when I realized that uh, Mike was going to be in town, uh, I sent him a message. I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you were going to have to come to my show. Uh, And so he said he had a lot of fun, actually. Uh, so I think they appreciated the opportunity to be here and kind of kind of do the show. And, and obviously, I'm super appreciative that they took the time to do that with our fans.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a blast. It was great to have them here. And thank you to Pizza Luce for having the show. Again, com. We are at the downtown location. We also do some live shows, including our baseball show, Chin Music, at the Pizza Luce in Eden Prairie. So thanks to them. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened to the show, made it a success over the years. So you know, obviously we hear Bahamas or we think glamour and sun and all that stuff, but, but t- tell me about your winter. You've, I mean, you've been a general manager for, what, two years now, three years?
1: Yeah, somewhere in there, right? Somewhere in there, so, yeah. So I've what, been doing the same thing for, for 12 years. Uh. Yeah, right,
0: right. We know it's just a, a, a title change. We know you're already <laughs> doing the work, but what, what is this time of the year like? What's the winter like? How much scouting do you actually do, and what's your process?
1: Well, I'd say that really the, the early part of the college basketball scene season is one of the most valuable because you do get to see uh, matchups that are non-conference uh, games. And we value those, That the bigger games um, in terms of the you know the, the better, better prospects playing against great competition before they get to conference play. Conference play teams typically just beat each other up and, and you don't get to see, uh, you know, maybe a little more free-flowing and, and uh, yeah, talent and talent. Um, I think that the uh, the early season stuff we try to hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Beginning of the conference play, we let things settle in unless something makes sense for us in terms of timing, and uh, and then you know once in the kind of the meat of the conference towards the end of the season, and then conference tournaments, we we're we hitting things really hard. So kind of ebbs and flows, and and. Um, you know, will be, uh, you know, typical, you know, post-New Year things ratchet up. and You have free agency that's thrown into that. So um, lots to juggle once once the New Year turns. But lots to do before the, before the New Year hits. And, and so these next few weeks will be pretty busy.
0: You know, I started covering the NFL back when there were no draft shows. And there were no mock drafts. Uh, it was a completely different. How time. did we know
1: who to draft without all the mock drafts? <laughs>
0: well, sometimes they didn't. Let's be oh, honest. Sometimes oh. they messed up. Uh, but it, it does fascinate me because it seems to me the more analysis and time goes into the NFL draft, the more people overanalyze things and get away from just who's actually good at playing the sport. I'm wondering if you have to ever guard against that. You see somebody, you know, as you said, you see somebody in November and you love them. And do you have to guard against talking yourself out of it because of something you might see in individual workouts?
1: Happens every year um, because you do. You have so much time. You know, the process is so long, and you know. Then you know that the game is getting covered more, and so you have a lot more. You know, eyes on it, more opinions, that sort of thing. You start to overthink things, and well, maybe you know. Well, gosh, they don't have us picking her until such and such. Maybe I'm overthinking how good she is, and you know. So you kind of just go in all these circles, and then. You know, even the use of, of analytics and then you just got to kind of just throw everything out and just kind of kind of get to your most level set and go, OK, over the over the course of time, how did this player do based on what we saw? And we do enter, you know, we, we have analytics entering into it uh, because sometimes you what what they call the eye test is is what gets people in trouble. Uh, you know, somebody looks like they can play. And then if you go and you look at the data, they're good enough to get you fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's uh. Yeah, and, and I think all, this happens probably in men's sports more because there is so much hype around uh, each of these drafts that, um, you know, it starts in high school for these players where they're highly touted. Um, you know, someone like an Andrew Wiggins was thought to be the, the second coming of LeBron James. And, and, and so when that happens, it's very difficult uh, to kind of sift through maybe the hype of a player versus what they really are. Uh, and then sometimes it's just human nature. You start to hear, oh, this player is a great player. There's a great player. There's a great player. Uh, then human nature kind of takes over and you go, oh, yeah, it's a great player. I see it now. When you didn't see it before, it really never was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what, that's what we do. So uh, that's the double-edged sword of getting uh, greater coverage and more eyes on. Is uh, It get, does get more convoluted and we do overthink things. And, um, you know, keeping it simple, stupid is probably one of the, the best formulas ever.
0: It's kind of worked for me. Which I mean, part? Just calling myself stupid—that does help. <laughs> keeps, them, keeps keeps me grounded, as they say. Uh, by the way, has your organization ever—I don't know—held off-season workouts and kind of maybe know I found the rules?
1: See, I—you I, know—we're gonna—we're taking our team to the Bahamas, and I, I didn't know that it wasn't legal, so we we said we were going to a tournament to scout. Very so, good, smart. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess these things happen. I, I,
0: well, they do. They seem to happen a lot.
1: <laughs> <sighs> it happens.
0: By the way, speaking of the Timberwolves. It's only money, Jim. Speaking of, and, and that's the thing, is there, <laughs> it's, it's like cat's meal money is the, is the fine. But uh, uh, speaking of Timberwolves, we also do, uh, we're going to be doing the John Krasinski show. He does the, our Timberwolves and NBA show on the network. We're going to be doing that live from Tuttle, 7 p.m., December 2nd. If you like basketball, I also recommend John's show. John does a great job as well. Come out and see that. Hey, this is the Cheryl Reeve Show, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free, it is easy. You can always go to talknorth.com and find the shows, the archives of the shows, our new shows, our outdoor shows, our other sports shows are all there. Uh, we're going to be adding a couple big names here soon. Uh, also, want to thank our sponsors, Pizzaluche, pizzaluche.com. By the way, they are hiring and offering signing bonuses to people they hire. Uh, great place to work because they have pizza here. It's really good pizza, really good salads, uh, drinks, everything else. Thanks also to our other sponsors. Uh, Rudy Luther Toyota, All Energy Solar, Realtor Cara Quinn, who's here as usual, brought her husband tonight, great to see her, and Glory Ramsey and Successful Marketing Group. Thank you all for being here and supporting the program. Uh, what is the state of, of women's college basketball at this point? It's you know We always talk about growth and more eyes on the sport. Uh, I, I guess big picture, what's your analysis of where the sport is?
1: I think it's come a long way. I think what you see in the WNBA is, is a product of the growth of women's college basketball. Uh, you know, it takes takes a long time, right? We're 25 years into this thing. Uh, the longer the WNBA has been around, uh, the greater reach it has. I mean, it's all the way down to the grassroots. Kids playing at a younger age because they now can dream about playing the WNBA. So they're playing in their backyard, they're playing in leagues sooner. Uh, the college game is getting better because of that. And then obviously, the WNBA is getting better because of. Uh, the growth of the college game. And, uh, you know, we don't hear a lot lately about UConn women's basketball being bad for the game. (laughs) Um, And and then the reason is they've been so good for the game. Those people that said it was very wrong. Uh, It set a marker for people that if you want to be great at this, then you're going to have to work. You're going to have to commit resources. And we've seen that. We've seen greater uh, interest in in terms of athletic departments, putting more behind it. Uh, Look at South Carolina women's basketball, who... You know, I know I know Dawn Staley well. I know uh, you know she circled UConn and said, "We're coming for you." And and look at them; they're number one uh, in the country. I don't know if that's that's the, the latest rankings, but they had to, they had to do things a certain way if you want to be competitive with UConn. UConn did that. UConn uh, developed a program like South Carolina. Uh, Dawn's worked her butt off in terms of. What they do in that community and the way that that uh, fan base supports that team its really incredible. So um, so college basketball is, is uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, that what you see in the WNBA, our growth, um, you know, it seems to has accelerated, I think, over the last five years. Uh, and so, again, college basketball is a big part of that.
0: Yeah, I was looking up the uh, on ESPN, the AP Top 25, South Carolina number one, UConn number two, Maryland, uh, we're familiar with their program. Number three, Indiana, North Carolina State. Baylor, famous program. Stanford, one of the great coaches of all time. Iowa, Oregon, Louisville. Uh, what, what do you th- I know you don't want to give away too much, but what do you think of Caitlin, Caitlin Clark?
1: You know, she's a good player. She's a good young player. You know, I can't, I can't, I'm not permitted to comment too much about right. her. Uh, but she's a young player that obviously everybody's going to know about. And that that's one too that, you know, sometimes when you're young and, and you have, you know, a big name, you know, can you hold your name? Because typically people want you as a freshman, you get all this hype. They want you to be even better your sophomore year, even better your junior year, your senior year. So sometimes, it, sometimes it's hard to maintain that hype. What I think is really interesting about this list that you just mentioned is three of those were Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. So Lindsey Whalen is going to, you know, know, she's going to have some some great games uh, over at Williams Arena. Hopefully all of us can get out there to support them. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see how uh, Lindsey's program grows. And I know they're really excited about the this incredible recruiting class they just yeah. signed. That's the name of the game. Uh, one ranking uh, one service ranked them number four mm-hmm. in the country that's pretty incredible so I'm really excited and clearly uh, you know the Big Ten's really good and, and you're gonna have to have good players to compete so I'm excited for Lindsay.
0: Yeah Maryland three Indiana four Iowa eight Michigan 13 and let's see if there are any and Ohio State 21 so it's a loaded conference yeah, it is. and but as you said her recruiting has been obviously great because one thing about recruiting ra- ranking services—they're after eyeballs. They're not going to rank Minnesota that high uh, to to get ratings because they don't expect you know Minnesota. If they rank Minnesota that high, they're doing it because it's legitimate. That's where exactly. they might rank certain other schools to get people interested.
1: Yeah. Or even players, yeah. you know, there, there are certain, certain players. That's what's the hard thing about these recruiting services is sifting through all of that. And you, know, you find the ones that you can trust. And, and ultimately, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, it's exciting, right. you know, for Lindsay to send out recruiting material that says what great recruiters they are, um, you know, in, ter- in terms of the next class. And that's what happens is you build on it. You get a great class like this, then all of a sudden everybody goes, holy cow, all these great players are going to Minnesota. You know, Paige missed the memo. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden all these great players going there, and that's what really gets a program going. So, to me, this is a really big step for University of Minnesota.
0: Well, it's funny you bring up Paige Becker's because Lindsay didn't really have a show. I mean, Gino lived at, in, you know, Paige's high school. Uh, so, and Lindsay came in late, and it was probably long over with. By Gino time got nervous.
1: In. Did he? Gino got nervous because he knew that Paige Becker's had a poster of Lindsay Whale uh. in her room. And so he thought, you know, once she got that job, he got nervous because I think the frequency with which he was coming out here seemed to <laughs> seem to go up a little bit. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he was less uh, complimentary of Lindsay Whalen you know, during that stretch. <laughs> go back and look how much he didn't talk about Lindsay Whalen, how great she was. So um, but obviously Paige, Paige, a great player and would have loved to have seen her uh, over at Williams Arena, you know, playing for uh, the Gophers. But that didn't happen. That's we inter- still might, you know, if, if we got to a draft and she was on the board, we, we might, consider, might consider her. You might consider her? I wouldn't hold it against her. <laughs> uh,
0: that would be fun. I mean, <laughs> and, and let's, let's go back and talk about it. We had a great time talking with Lindsay just about her whole life and, and basketball history. Let's, let's go back on that. I mean, I remember uh, writing about the Lynx a little bit, late 2000s, and, you know, my suggestion was, as a dopey outsider – Shouldn't a league that's trying to grow and get people in the stands, shouldn't there be a way of getting somebody like Lindsey Whalen to play for the Minnesota Lynx? And I remember talking to a member of the Lynx organization who was like, no, we're, we're a professional league. We don't think that way at all. I was like, really? At what point did you think you wanted Lindsey? And what point did you think you could get her here?
1: Well, I think Roger Griffith is probably a better person to talk to about that because uh, I was in Charlotte, actually, the year that Lindsey was coming out, and um, I I knew of the offers that were out there uh, uh, for Lindsey, but to be really frank, uh, Connecticut was holding Minnesota hostage, and again, I wasn't here, I was, you know, I didn't have a skin in the game so to speak um, but they were they were holding them hostage in terms of if you know Chris Sienko and his history of, of general managing uh, that was his mo um, he had to win every deal and in this case he was going to make sure that uh, you know that the deal was incredibly lopsided if he even did a deal um, and so I think by the time that I got here in 2010 Lindsay was what six seasons in uh, six or six or seven I don't know exactly I think 2004 might have been. Uh, her first year, right? Uh, so seven years in, and uh, you know, timing is everything, and and it just happened to come together where uh, where the Connecticut Sun were, uh, where Lindsey was in her career and her desires to be closer to home because she was spending so many uh, seasons either in Connecticut or overseas, mm-hmm. uh, and that gets really hard. And so I think the nice thing about this situation was that I think Lindsey could communicate to Mike Tebow and the Connecticut Sun franchise. Hey, look, I I think I'd like to to play in Minnesota, um, and and I think at that time we had the right assets for Connecticut being interested in making a change, uh, wanting to move away from Lindsey Whalen. If you can imagine that, um, and and that's that's what they you know wanted to do. So the timing was right, and of course you know I mean. Uh, any any first time head coach which I was back in two thousand ten uh, it 's what I said about James Wade. you know you have Courtney vandersloot you 're going to be just fine. you know they make you look good, uh, and that 's what I needed Lindsay Whalen uh, you know for for this franchise, and so certainly knew we wanted her at no point in time i 'll be really honest with you at no point in time that I, was I interested from a fan base standpoint in growing. Uh, you know season ticket sales, um, and and to be really honest, in two thousand and ten when we signed her, we only grew by maybe a couple hundred. Really? So, oh yeah, this this was not, you know this this. Th- 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 so to to the point, I don't know who said that to you, um, but those metrics don't translate. Hmm. Having a player like Lindsey Whalen didn't mean automatically those ten thousand people that were, you know, they are watching Lindsey. They were not automatically going to come. Uh, there is a bit of a disconnect between college basketball and the WNBA. That is something we've worked really, really hard on to try to bridge the gap. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, we we can we can unlock that because uh, obviously, that's a big key uh, to fan bases, especially uh, like one here. Uh, so, it didn't change. Our attendance didn't change until we started winning. Winning plus Lindsey Whalen was magical. Winning was, was imperative, and Lindsay helped us get to that. But, you know, when you win with uh, Minnesota's favorite daughter, that's when it got really magical. And, and, uh, and she always said, Coach, it's about winning. You know, we win, they'll come. And she was exactly right.
0: Interesting. Let's go back to Gino. you have any good, embarrassing stories about Gino?
1: You know, I don't. He, he's so easygoing. Uh, I mean, he's really <clears throat> sarcastic. And I understand him well. He's, so you weren't
0: joking when you said he's easygoing?
1: Well, no. I mean, he's sarcastic. He's, he's funny. I mean, if you ask him, he's funny. Um, you know, he's from Philly. Um, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we, we kind of say we operate the same way with our sarcasm and smart ass. Um, he's never really changed a whole lot through the years in that way. And he's a hell of a coach. Yeah. He's, he's a really good coach. Just ask him. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. No, I don't. On, he's, not like he, he's not like that. He's not like that. I'm just kidding. He there. is not like that. He, you know, he was really good to me. Um, you know, when, in my USA basketball experience, my first time in 2014, uh, and and Gino was the coach, and he came over and he goes, "Look, I know this looks really stupid. You're you're a championship head coach in the WNBA. You're working for me. I'm a college coach." And so he was really uh, humble and and uh, really. Um, uh, respectful, um, wanted opinions and that sort of thing, and so I, I really enjoyed my my time working um, with him and 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 you know winning winning gold medal in uh, in Rio.
0: Yeah, and that was a fun team to be around.
1: You know what? We don't talk enough about uh, you know we talk about the dream team on the NBA side. Those teams that Gino Ooh, coached were dream teams. They were. I mean, you go back and look at those rosters, dream teams, prime time people. Uh, you know, some of the you know ones that were documented as the. You know, the the top 25 at 25 years, um, incredible players. And, and, uh, you know, but again, it's just not talked about enough. I know, you know, this year it was about the greatest dynasty ever. Um, You know, I know Nike was was putting uh, women's national team out there in that way. But... Um, it's unfortunate. You know, sometime we're going to come back and judge this part of our history and go, how did we not talk about these incredible players uh, in the ways that they, they absolutely
0: deserve? I'm trying to remember the starting five was Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore,
1: Sil, or was Sil coming off the bench? Sil came off the bench. <laughs> All bench. the links came off the bench was except Parker. Was Candice on that team? Parker was a starter and got benched. Yes. Wow. True. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, who else? Who am I missing? I'm
1: going to look up. Look well, up Brianna up Stewart the was that, oh. Brianna Stewart was a young player. She right. was she was actually off off the bench in that time. I can tell you that the um, Lindsay Simone Angel McCautry uh, Sylvia Fowles. Uh, I want to say Tina Charles was a starter, uh, possibly at that I think time. that's right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, there were there were, you know, like a uh, Swin Cash. Um, I'm trying to think whether I coached. That was probably the 2012 uh, Olympics, but. Getting old, it's all running together. Some really good players. Yeah. I'm right. Buying you time to get yeah. your Google search. By the way, Google's tremendous. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, they treat the WNBA very well. So, um, next time you search, use Google. Now, did I'm, you find anything? I'm not very
0: bright, so I have to ask. Are you being sarcastic no, or serious? No, Google's, a,
1: they're, they're part of the changemakers of the WNBA. Good, okay, good. I,
0: very important. I just used Google. And here, here was that roster in 2012. Waylon, Augustus, Bird, Maya Moore, Angel McCautry, Brianna Stewart, Tamika Catchings, Elena Deladon, yeah. Diana Taurasi, Sylvie Fowles, Tina Charles, Brittany Griner. My God. An
1: embarrassment of riches, yeah. And wow. I yeah, Griner would have been a starter on that team. Um, you know, power forward probably was Deladon. That yeah. was probably her, her first so. go around, yeah. Um, God, yeah, I just remember kind of scary coaching that group. It''s your fault if they lose. I, absolutely. Yeah. You, can't, you can't win with that, that group, but I remember Lindsay saying she, they loved being on the second team. They loved it was Lindsay Simone, angel in the backcourt, and they ran around and they pressed and, and, and Lindsay said, she just, she just loved it. Just fly up and down, and, yep. uh, and you know there's much less pressure when you're not a starter, and she wanted Sue to kind of have to deal with all that. <laughs> Sue, Sue and D. Uh, so but yeah, I mean, embarrassment of riches and, and dream teams. Those, those, you know, the like I said, 2012 and 2016, you know, really, really good talent. And, and
0: and the other point I was making too, fun to be around. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, they're not. The bad thing is they weren't getting the attention they deserved. The good thing, the selfish thing for people like me who were there is you could sit there and talk to Maya Moore or yeah. some, Sylvia Fowles and almost have a one-on-one conversation in the middle of the Olympics, which is not the way it should be, but it was fun.
1: Yeah. And I remember at that time, people were kind of going, this is bad for the game. You're blowing everybody, everybody out, remember?
0: Yeah. It was, it was, I remember this, the storyline. Yeah. It was, I, I just don't understand in, in competitive sports, not trying, not, you know, I, I don't understand how you put a governor on that. Don't play well. Yeah. Don't play your best players. I mean, how do you, if you're really good, why would you avoid playing? Well, why would you ever avoid playing your best?
1: Well, just recognizing the the level of talent, you know, it's like, like I said, the NBA dream team, look who was playing. And I know that they had some bumps in the road when they first put it together, uh, you know, as far as a dream team. But, um, you know, I mean, when you have the best talent in the world and it's like it's deep, I mean, it's really, really deep. Um, That's something I think should be celebrated Uh, because things, you know, things have changed. I mean, it's it's not it's not the the current state of things. Uh, There's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of transition. You know, just like when Don Staley was a player and Cheryl Swoops and Lisa Leslie and those guys, you know, they transitioned to Sue and D. I, rem- I remember back when when Staley and and Swoops, uh, you know, when they were going to be retiring, it was you know USA. Oh my gosh, you know, who's next? And you know, oh, we're going to win with Sue and D. You know, here comes Sue and D. You know, and so then this next generation behind Sue and D. is going to be really telling, um, and and you know, just kind of you know who's next up, and and uh, that's the fun of it, I think. The, you know, just, you know, there's some, there's some good young talent in our league.
0: Yeah, and there's some good young talent in college that is pretty obvious Absolutely, might be ready for the next Olympics. Absolutely. Uh, let's do a little business here. Again, we are at Pizza Luce downtown. It's right by Target Center, Target Field. Great place for pregame, postgame. Uh, they have a lot of space. They have a great bar. They have booths. Really good food, good salads, good hoagies, good pizzas. I I like their gluten-free pizza, which I appreciate them uh, having that here. They're also giving signing bonuses to people who want to hire on with them. So check out pizzaluche.com. also want to thank Rudy Luther Toyota.
1: Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage, 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five day return policy on pre-owned vehicles located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? visit RudyLutherToyota.com today.
0: And by the way, as I'm running down our sponsors here, I want to thank our producer, Brandon Morton. He's sitting to my left here at Pizza Luce, and our sales executive, Karen Cleary. They've done great work for the the network. We continue to grow, and we appreciate everybody who's listened to us. I want to tell you about All Energy Solar. As a home improvement project, solar energy can start paying for itself the moment the system is powered up. It can pay back 100% of the installation costs within eight years, plus a system from All Energy Solar can even pay back over 300% of its cost over its lifetime, and you can Save even more if you install by the end of the year with 2021 solar incentives. Learn how you can make the switch this this winter at AllEnergySolar.com. I want to thank our friend Cara Quinn, who's here with her husband tonight. I've told you before, Cara is my my family's realtor as we uh, are preparing to to buy a new house. And the great thing about Cara, uh, she can do all the things that you know you expect out of a realtor. Plus, she has uh, interior decorating expertise. She has renovating expertise. She can look at your house and say, this is what you need to do to get the maximum price out of it. She can tell you what's not worth doing. Uh, She helped us... Find land in Roseville. We didn't. And every time I tell people we found a plot of land in Roseville, they say there's no land in Roseville. She found us some. It's ideal. Uh, we're really thrilled about it. And she's walked us through every step of the process, and and will continue to do so. And it's like having just a friend drop by and give you really good advice. It's a great setup for us. You can find Cara at caraquinnrealtor.com. You can also find her at vibemn.com. It's Vibe Realty, or if you just Google her because that's what we're going to do now from L <laughs> on is Google everything. Google Cara Quinn, C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N. You, all, of her, all the places you can find her will pop right up. Thanks again to Glory Ramsey from Successful Marketing Group. is going to be uh, spearheading, again, the Winter Wear Drive, which is going to be, basically we're going to do a Cheryl Reeves show live that is also going to be the Winter Wear Drive. We're going to get you the date here soon. Uh, we're looking mid-December. We're going to do it at Pizza Luce. They, these things always draw really well, and they're for a great cause, uh, and we'll tell you more about them as the time approaches. Um, so I know that you're going to the Bahamas to work. Uh, where are your favorite places to go when you actually have a chance to just relax, if that ever happens?
1: It, you mean in terms of vacation spots? Yeah, vacation spots. Yeah, no question it's Hawaii. Um, it used to be our thing um, back you know, when we first started winning championships. I'd set a goal and I'd say to our family, like, if we win, we're going to Hawaii. So that would always be the, the reward. So I've been to Hawaii a couple of times. Um, just two or four? Just, just, uh, just, I think, probably three. Three? Three. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, Honeymoon four, but. plus a couple championships, yeah. Yep, so Hawaii, if, I'm ever, if I've ever gone missing, I don't want to joke about something like that, but I'm probably in Hawaii. You
0: know, my wife and I, it's one of the places we haven't been that we definitely yeah. know we have to get to. You know, once we get past new house expenses and all that stuff, hopefully in the next few years we're going to get out there. So I'll be hitting, hitting you up for some tips. What, what is it
1: particularly you like about it? Uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous, you know. Just being so far from everything. Um, it's a long ways, you know, to to get there. Obviously, um, by by plane. We didn't. I didn't uh, row the boat. Um, so by plane and and uh, just peaceful, gorgeous, good people. You know, fun things to do. Um, it's been a while since I've been. I, I forget the the favorite island. It's more the quieter island. So it's not necessarily Kawhi, Maui. Maybe. Uh, Kauai, yeah. Um, you know, the recent one we did. Uh, we went and visited. Um, so we, were in, uh, we went and visited Pearl Harbor. Um, there is a Disney property um, uh, in Hawaii, which we didn't know about. You know, when you have a kid, you start to learn these yeah. things like, okay, how do I go to Hawaii and be able to make the kid happy? Uh, Disney, there's a Disney property wow. called Alani. In, in, uh, um, where where's, uh, what's the island? Um, the big island. There, there's the island, island of Hawaii. I think that's what it is then. Yeah. That's probably what it is. So, cause I think you fly into Honolulu. Anyway, um, I sound like a real big fan of Hawaii, I don't even know. Uh, it's just, just been a minute, just been a minute. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where I, I like to, do, to go, you know, like if it's, if it's not something that I can do so grand. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm a big, I, I, like, I like a beach and, and water, you know, it, it can be a lake, I like warmth, you know, that sort of thing, I'm pretty normal. I think <laughs> a lot of people like that, so. Um, before we forget, I wanted to shout out Brandon Wharton, our producer. Uh, happy belated birthday to yes, happy uh, birthday, to Brandon. Brandon. Thanks for everything you do for the show. Appreciate we've, we've you. We've aged him far more <laughs> than his chronological
0: birthdays would suggest. We have worn his ass out we, working with this guy. I network. can imagine. Uh, we're getting some help. Uh, we have you have to
1: do every show with Jim?
0: Yeah. Speaking of aging people, yes, he has to do all my <laughs> shows. We're trying to get him some relief. Uh, we've actually hired somebody to help out, and uh, we and uh, frankly the rate of growth, adding sh- new shows, we're probably going to be yeah. hiring a few people. Uh, and thanks it's to great. Cheryl for helping with all the you know all the growth of this network. Uh, we need to we need to do we need to fill out our roster a little bit better, and we will get there. I promise. Um, let's talk about your your actually actual roster. I was thinking about this today. Aerial Powers, if she ends up being healthy for this full upcoming season. What's she going to look
1: like you know, on the court and in your system? Well, I think a healthy AP, you saw you know, the, the second half of the season when she came back, you saw what she was capable of. Um, the first part of the season, you know, she wasn't terribly efficient. She turned the ball over quite a bit. Um, you know, she didn't make shots at, kind of at the rate. She just wasn't ready to play. Uh, coming into the season in terms of, um, you know, you have to be in great shape. And this is a young player that we you know, sort of bet on in terms of uh, future uh, projection. You know, this is not a player who is already a star player. It's a player we think is going to become a star player. And part of that is the growth of us helping her her get there. Uh, and so I think with, with AP, you know, I think that, you know, some lessons learned, so to speak. And, you know, the, the thumb injury through no fault of her own uh, other than I think it probably came right after a turnover. Uh, if you don't turn it over, you don't hurt your thumb. The good thing is uh, you get over it. The yeah. player turns
0: the ball over, and you just you're able to. I never walk remember. Away from yeah. It. yeah, you don't remember it at all. Uh,
1: so so but but AP's timeout um, you know was probably good for her in that Chuck Barda got her in shape. Uh, you know Chuck and Brandy spent a lot of time. Chuck was kind of the you know, the rabbit that ran the steps and AP had to chase them and, you know, and, and Chuck was really, really committed and they worked really, really hard and got ready uh, to, you know, that when she could come back, we were fortunate that we had the Olympic break so it gave her another four weeks so she could play for us uh, before, you know, the start of the playoffs and I thought she played great, um, you know, put us in really good position at the end there. Um, efficiency-wise, really good. She's just a dynamic player, you know, just different than, you know, it's kind of like when you had like Simone and I next to each other, you know, they compliment each other that neither one of them did the same thing. Uh, and oftentimes I didn't know what each of them was going to do. They're, they're just, and that's AP. I, I, don't, I don't know. Something's going to happen. I don't always know what it's going to be. Uh, you know, you hope that it's more good, you know, than, than not. But AP's passion, her personality, those are all things that I find valuable. Um, you know, we have to harness some of it, and and you know, because emotion runs, you know, kind of both ways. And, and um, I just think she's really important to uh, our ability to be successful. Obviously, we, we extended ourselves in that way. Uh, I think she wants it, and um, if she's fully healthy and ready to go, she could have a great year, which means we'll have a good year. She reminds
0: me. This is going to be a weird analogy, but she reminds me of Eddie Gordato when Eddie Gordato was the Twins closer. He's Eddie. His, his philosophy was, and he would say this out loud, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to happen fast. I'm going to throw a ball over the like and you're either going to strike out or you're going to hit one Eight miles. We're going to find out right away. That's what Powers reminded me of. I'm going to make something happen. Here.
1: We're going to call her Eddie.
0: <laughs> Don't blame <laughs> me for that. Uh, the other player I wanted to ask you about is Natalie Chanwa. I think she's in town now. Is that yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. AP. Natalie's in town. Lage's in town. So we, we have a group. Um, so kind of this this fun under the uh, rules. Under the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we wouldn't probably you wouldn't they wouldn't come to Minneapolis necessarily in the off season. They probably want to. know That's probably, probably you know, I mean, you know, they love Minneapolis, and you know, we love that it's the summertime when. When they're here. Um, and, and I think that uh, the, one of the great things that came from the CBA uh, that was negotiated was the, there is now mandatory money that is set aside for team marketing agreements and that players can um, participate in and, and earn um, more money, supplement it. It's also obviously good for our community uh, one of the biggest disconnects would always be our off season, that they go away and they play overseas, and you know you'd like you know, a lot of times you know years ago you didn't know what the hell was happening over there. and Now you get to actually click on a link and watch the games. It's so much different now. Um, so, but I think we're doing a better job of bridging the off season. You know, the end of a season to the start of another one. There's so much to look forward to in our off season. Uh, and now you have something to look forward to, and you have players in your market. Uh, and we'll be getting around, uh, you know, the, kind of the circuit doing different things uh, on behalf of the organization uh, to be with our fans and to grow our business. Uh, so that's something that I think was really good. There's team marketing agreements and there's a league marketing agreement. So they're at the league level, it exists as well. So uh, that's why uh, you see a couple of these players in town. We have Renia Davis and Damaris Dantas who have been in town, have not left because they're still rehabbing. They're doing very well, progressing. Leija's back, uh, again, because she's still, uh, you know, wants really badly to, to shed the boot that they've been wearing. And, and uh, um, Lay came back in town to kind of get, you know, a, pro- a progress check on that. Um, uh, you mentioned Natalie. Uh, Natalie's here to, to support the business. And, and um, Natalie's coming off of a national team training camp. Uh, so we got it. you know, and a lot of it for me, I like, we can get, you know, eyes on our players and see, you know, how they look. And Rachel Bannum has been here, you know, playing 6 a.m. pickup, you know, with a group. And um, so it's, it's been, you know, kind of a player-filled offseason so far. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if you all have seen them out and about. And uh, that'll be going on periodically uh, throughout the offseason.
0: Uh, and what was your assessment of Natalie's first season with the, the Lynx and what are you expecting going forward?
1: Well, you know, I said that um, I think a lot of people didn't necessarily get to really get the full sense of having Natalie Achamal on our team. Um, Natalie's a player that I think needs to play more minutes. Uh, I knew that. Um, I also knew that her first season behind Sill could be a challenging one for me. Um, just to have Natalie on the floor and me for me to figure things out, can she play with Sill? which is what our, our mindset was because I can get her more minutes if that's the case. Um, Natalie's health wasn't great for us early in the season. You know, didn't, wasn't necessarily in everything in training camp, so it was a, kind of a slow, then she hurt her knee prior to the Olympics. Now, when you got post-Olympics, you saw a little bit more of what Natalie was capable of. Uh, we did play Sill and Natalie together, and, and anytime we pushed Natalie closer to the 20-minute mark, you see her value over the course of time. Um, you know, it's a player that, you know, you don't, you don't watch the game and go, holy shit, is she really, really good. Uh, it's at the end when you go and you look at the important the the, the data points, uh, her efficiency and the things the way that she helps your 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 whole unit. Um, so you know you're not gonna you know look at Natalia Chawla and say wow that's Sylvia's replacement and you're gonna Sylvia Fowles is like one of a kind. Um, it's like when people used to ask me, what was the succession plan to Lindsay Whalen? <laughs> there is none, uh, as you see, you know, mm-hmm. like we're, it's, it's, they're, they're generational for a reason. Uh, you know, Sylvia Fowles is exactly that as well. And hopefully still continues to play, um, you know, because, you know, I mean, you can still be successful. We saw it in 2020 in the bubble season. Um, you can be successful, you know, like Sylvia Fowles makes the game easier, uh, makes our team, you know, the, the, every year that she plays, you feel like you have a chance to do pretty well. Um, if Sylvia Fowles doesn't play, we still can find a way to, to be successful. And I really believe that it's in your selection of players. We dig deep into analytics and, and find productive players. That's, that's kind of been our, our kind of our motto. And we spent a lot of time on it. You know, sometimes people look at us like we're crazy. It's okay. Cause we are. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, like I said, with Sylvia Fowles, you know, I can, I can get there easier. Um, but. Like I said, we've kind of proven over the last few years that we can still be a successful basketball team and still be a team. And I'll tell the team this uh, in an email coming up here soon that had our team come into camp in shape uh, and ready to go, and had we had a great training camp and come out of training camp like we always have, which is to have a, a great start, we could have been a top two team in the WNBA this year. We finished third scratching and clawing, and piecing it together through, through tough times. But if we didn't, you know, if we would have maybe valued that part of our season a little bit more to me, that's what stood between us and the WNBA finals again, you know, cause if you're a top two seed, that view is a hell of a lot different than these single elimination games. You know, you're sitting and waiting to play home games and you know, you win your home games, you're, you're in the finals, you get to the finals, you're the higher seed, you win your home games, you're WNBA champs. That's always been the formula for us. I thought we had a real chance at that this year, and and, and uh, thought we we let a season get away from us in terms of, you know, just being ready. So you, you can bet that I'm going to be, uh, you know, a, a little more locked in on what each of the players is doing in the off season.
0: You know, I promised uh, on the last podcast we are going to do a lot of live questions. Then I got carried away, and I just sat here and talked the whole time. We do have a microphone up here. If you'd like to ask a question, please do. It's going be a great time to do it. Uh, if you walk up, I will make sure you get to ask the question. Uh, Elizabeth,
1: so- do you want to come ask your question, or are you too busy playing with those poppets? All right, she's going to make her way up here. Elizabeth came equipped with a question. Yes. Long-time listener, a fan of the show. Yes. Um, elizabeth oh. and i first met at the uh airport msp uh when we returned uh was that from the olympics yeah and, and i was able to place a gold medal around elizabeth's neck when she was my in a question stroller. is is oh. that
2: um, why can't the lynx have boys play in the lynx and why do they only play in the summer
1: that's a really good question why is our season in the summer that's a very good question uh, and so Elizabeth, if you go back you know, 25 years when the league was, was first founded, um, it was this, this landscape of sports, of professional sports. The WNBA had to try to find a window that we could play in that we could get media attention. So if we play in the wintertime at the same time as all the other uh, basketball seasons like the NBA or college, unfortunately, women are gonna be last on the list uh, to be covered by media. Uh, and so the, the thought process was that if we played in the summertime when some of these seasons were over, they were in between seasons, that that would be our time that, that you know, we could we have more TV windows that we could be on and then just media and coverage, uh, media coverage in general uh, would be better for us. Uh, and so and then also, you know, that we, you know, European play is still really big for our players. That happens in the wintertime, not the summer. Um, and you know, to be a professional women's basketball player in this country, you're juggling a lot. Uh, if you're a good enough player to be on the national team, you've got the national team, you've got the WNBA season, the footprint, uh, you know, from from April and you hope until October. You leave directly from there and you go overseas and you play those six months. And um, but that's that was the thinking at the time. And and uh, you know, I, I I spent a lot of time in my early years fending off those of you that said, "But wait, I want to go to my cabin." Uh, and we said, you can't. You can't. You, you can try to find a way to do both, but you can't. We need your support. because you will
0: always be there.
1: If you all go to your cabin, then what's going to happen to the WNBA? And and thankfully, so many, many fans, uh, you know, sacrifice and find ways. And if you had to have the a weekend at the cabin, you found someone else to, to be in your seats. And so uh, I'm really proud of our fan base because I get it. Uh, I live here, you know, so I understand the seasons of, of maybe, you know, how long things last or don't last. Uh, and so, but I've been really, really proud. We don't hear that objection uh, very much anymore. We, I think that our fan base has developed a real love for our team, which I really appreciate.
0: I don't know. I, I, I have very strong opinions on the whole cabin experience. Uh, you can go to a WNBA game, go to downtown Minneapolis, eat at a good restaurant, see a great game, have a drink afterward, or you can sit in traffic for six hours. <laughs> Go clean your cabin, look out the window through your cabin, and turn around and get back in traffic for six more hours. I, I don't, I've never gotten it. I don't get it.
1: And I don't get a chance to do it, so I don't, I don't, I don't know I either. Just don't get it.
0: Yeah. Uh, tell me about Raniah Davis, where she is with her rehab, and what you expect out of her.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned Re. I hope, I hope I did when I talked to I think you did. Yeah, injured players. Um, Rhee is finally, this was, this was a big day for her. Uh, it was actually today. Uh, her first workout with a coach um and she she was uh, rather anxious uh, about that, so she 's been with Chuck Barda and brandy um, uh, blue arm for gosh since you know since her you know third day of practice uh, when the stress fracture was revealed and and uh, you know been in a boot, been in a cast all of that uh, and is now returning to be on the court uh, she's super eager um, and and we 're super eager just to kind of get on the court and learn more what she's about um, so i don 't have anything to report in terms of what I think her possibilities are. I do know that in terms of the draft itself, um, it seems like we probably did pretty well at the pick that we were at uh, and getting a talent like Ree. What does that mean for her career? I don't know Um, because each draft class obviously is different. So as compared to her her other draft classmates, uh, I think she's pretty talented. As compared to the WNBA, I don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, It feels like to me at minimum, you know, when you – when you have a player that's in the same class statistically at a university that has uh, the storied tradition as the University of Tennessee has had, uh, and your, your name is up there statistically with Tamika Catching, Shemequa Holdsclaw, Candace Parker, it, you'd like to think that maybe she could at least be serviceable in our league. If she's more than serviceable, we'll be really excited and say we got the steal of the draft. Um, so we're going to find all that out, and then as that unfolds, and maybe on future shows I'll be able to share more with you. How's Chuck doing? Chuck's doing well, working his butt off. Um, He did take a day to go up to the lake to make sure that he could winterize his stuff, and we let him go for that. He's he's a big lake guy. Matter of fact, some of the most fun we had uh, this summer, I wasn't there for it. It was during the Olympic hiatus. Um, Chuck had an outing out of his place, uh, him and his wife, Chris. Uh, The team had an incredible time, and uh, I think uh, Ariel Powers documented it in some way on uh, some video on YouTube, if you guys want to see if you can find it. Uh, I'm not real astute with those sort of things, but... um, yeah, Chuck's Chuck's great. He's he's a legend. Yes. You should probably just Google Oliver, it, right? I have a question. Yes, what would you like to say, Oliver?
2: Why don't the cheerleaders play for do that for the Lynx?
1: Why do the Lynx not have cheerleaders? Great questions by these young folks. Very observant. Be, because
2: most people are mean and they do it wrong and boys um, have girls. And girls don't have boys. Well, girls do have boys, but it's wrong because they girls don't have cheerleaders.
1: Right. So what he's noticing is the difference—the way that women are treated. He really did ask these questions. Uh, he's been very astute. He also—I think—he blurted out when he was two, "Why are they not wearing any clothes?" <laughs> Mom, they're naked, and that's a true story. Um, and so, but anyway, but yeah. So he's—he's he's noticed these things. Um, you know, and we have these conversations about you know that you know, hey, this is not right, and this is what we're working to change, and you know, women deserve the same opportunities and have the same things, and so, you know, this was these are things that are being done at the age of five, six, and seven that you know that that, um, and I I just I gave a a keynote recently where I talked about. Um, you know, you don't know it when you're that age, but this this generation is is a little different than when I was five and six, and I was just balling, and I didn't know why I was the only girl playing. I now know it's because there was a lack of opportunity, uh, a lack of commitment uh, to to girls and women in sport back in the in the 70s. So, um, I'm excited for the future uh, for these bright young people that are coming up.
0: Yes, save us. Young generations, please save us, save our country, please. That's just my personal Thank you, Oliver uh, and Elizabeth, for your great questions. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, by the way, the reason I brought up Chuck, Chuck was one of the first people I met professionally in Minnesota when I came here. He was working with the Vikings back then and he's been a great guy ever since. He, he's,
1: he's a great guy. He's, he's a great guy and one of the best things. You know, when I first got to Minnesota, I don't know if I ever told this story. Um, I was in Detroit with a successful uh, franchise You know, in the finals three straight years. Uh, the only drawback was working for Bill and Rick. Uh, other than that, everything was. I'm just kidding, of course. Um, to you know, one of my greatest experiences was working with those two. Um, but when I when I first got here, so things that you learned. It took me 10 years uh, to be deemed qualified to be a head coach in the WNBA. That's for another another day. Um, but but 10 years into it, I finally got the chance, and I know uh, I had a really good idea of what was going to be important. And the trainer for your team is one of the most biggest things that you have to have, you have to have trust. They've got to trust and then, and then everything else from there you could kind of figure out. Uh, even more so than assistant coaches, you know, because they spend so much time with the trainer. So the first thing I did when I got the job and I was on the, on the horn with some of the players was tell me what we're doing right and tell me what we're not doing right. Uh, And what I really wanted to know was, you know, uh, about the training situation, what they think. And uh, luckily, you know, we found that our training situation uh, is one of the best in the league and has been for a long time. Um, You know, Chuck was in the NFL uh, for, you know, what, 20, 20 plus years. Um, You know, his commitment uh, to the women's game. You know, when he first took over in the WNBA, he would tell me stories about how they would go on the road and uh, be treated less than, uh, than what he would know to be, uh, maybe what the men would get. And he, would, he wouldn't he would let it happen. He would say, no, we're not going to do that because when I came in here with the Vikings, this is what we did. And, and uh, so that plus just how smart he is and um, gosh, he's patient he, you know, to work with players as closely as he does and all the different personalities to have to deal with, with me. Um, you know, there's nothing Think like that. Think
0: about that. He's had to deal with you and me
1: for, yeah, at different for, times. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a career. Yeah, put that on your resume. That he's made it through. Can you imagine having to come in and, and say, you know, knock on the door and go, uh, Cheryl, uh, you know, your point guard is out for the next however many games? And, and you imagine I handled it right. God damn it, Chuck. <laughs> You know, don't come in here with that, you know. And then he knows, okay, let her get through all that. And then we kind of figure out what the problem. And I trust Chuck. He tells me what has to happen. And, and we, you know, we always have a really good plan and a connection. I think he appreciates, um, you know, that, that there is, you know, this, this back and forth. If he says that's what it should be, uh, I know how hard he's working to get players back on the court. Uh, not at the expense of a player's health. Really important. That's the trust piece. And, and so we're very, very fortunate to have Chuck Barter.
0: Couple minutes left in the show. If you have, oh, we have a question. Yes. Hi. hi. Coach.
1: How are hi, you? Hi. How are y'all? So I have a quick question for you. You may have already answered this in a previous episode, but um, given the way that your season ended in a single elimination game, and the playoff format being relatively new for the past couple seasons, have you lobbied any interest in changing the first two rounds from single elimination game to maybe a three game series, or even those being fleshed out as five game series, or is that something that right now, while it's still experimental, you're okay with? Yeah. Um, Good question. What, thank you. You. when when our team was ranked uh, number 1 throughout most of the season i didn't give it i didn't really care about the rest of the playoff format <laughs> Now that we don't see it from that view, uh, I care very much and have suggested very strongly uh, that this is silly. I, I, did, I did say back then, I, you know, I was like, this is just silly, but I'm not gonna say anything. If you guys want to say something, you can, because it's not affecting us, and this is silly, and we'll just wait for you guys to go through your single elimination games, and we'll just sit here and wait, and we'll be healthy and rested and all of that, uh, and we'll go on and win a, we'll win our championship unless we get cheated, like in 2016. Um, you know, but otherwise, it was good a good thing is formula you've gotten for, over it. Yeah, I mean, never. And we should never get over that. That was not okay. We should never, ever, ever, ever. That was not okay. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, what were, we, what were we, so the playoff Playoffs, format. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there was, people always say, what was the reason for it? You know, and the WA, went, but they weren't just trying to be creative and let's say, hey, let's do something that no other sport is doing. Nah, other sports have some play in games and that sort of thing. We have just 12 teams in our league, you know, so we don't, we don't really have enough to do the play-in concept, um, in, in my opinion. At the time when there was a change made, what was happening was that the, the strength of the league was kind of in the Western Conference. Uh, and so it always felt like for a number of years that whoever won the West basically was going to win the championship and probably going to be a sweep. You know, that was the only thing the league could hope for was that it wasn't going to be a sweep, that the West was so dominant. And so the finals weren't that great of uh, a display uh, of our league. Uh, And so, like, when Minnesota played Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals or when Minnesota played L.A. in the Western Conference Finals, that was deemed to be the finals. Uh, and, And so they were looking for a way, and it happens sometimes in the NBA too, they were looking for a way to have a better finals. And so... Um, you know, the idea that no longer have conferences, and just take the top eight, eight teams. Uh, that seemed like really sound thinking, and, and it's something I know that the NBA has kicked around. I think they might have even done a trial in their, uh, in their G League, if I'm not mistaken, at one point in time. Uh, but coupled with that, uh, at the same time these things were happening, the business side of things uh, was struggling. Because we don't have advance notice a lot of times if you made, like, again, if you're not one or two, and let's say you're, you're you know, you're, you're scratching and clawing to make the playoffs, your fans don't know whether, you, there's no advance uh, purchase of tickets, you don't know if there's going to be a game. Uh, and then we would play three days after the season. Well, in the WNBA, our sales reps don't sit around and answer the phone once you learn that the team's going to make the playoffs. Right? So it takes months for us to build our fan base to look like it does when the season starts. So group sales, it takes months. Three days is not enough time. Uh, you know, you have a great sales staff and, you know, uh, led by Carly Knox that understands how to leverage, uh, you know, like your playoffs with your with your season ticket members, that sort of thing. Then you can you can do well. You, you can dress the house in a way that looks pretty good in, in a three day period. But for many teams that weren't named Minnesota Lynx, they lost so much money hosting a playoff game or being in a playoff game that many COOs raised their hand and said, yeah, I think maybe, maybe we should do this single elimination thing. So the two things kind of came together. ESPN saw a chance to put us on less, they said we're in. Uh, and so all of that you know, kind of happened and then that's what we got, we got this. Um, now, all, and now, at no point in time were the, the coaches ever on board for this. Uh, I'm in professional basketball to play a series. Uh, that's what I like. If I want single elimination, I'll go coach college. Um, I love, I love the ups and downs of a series. I love, look what happened to the WNBA when you got LA and Minnesota in our games, and hard fought, in our fan bases, and then the ratings, and then the league grew because of it, right? You get the rivalry, right? You know, even long after, you know, these players that aren't really playing for either team anymore, it doesn't matter, it's still Minnesota, LA. And we remember, and we remember what it felt like. Um, Jantel Lavender playing for the Indiana Fever telling her team, Oh, last time I was here, this is what was happening. Like, you know, everyone that was involved, it was so meaningful. Um, and so I think it'll be wise, um, you know, that it happens sooner rather than later, that we get back to that and we focus on um, the biggest time of our year, the most meaningful time of the year, playoff basketball. More on TV. All of it's supposed to be on TV, right? ESPN's commitment. More series, even if it's a three game series, as you suggested a three game to start, and then a five and a five. We're all in favor of that. We'd love to go five, five, and five. Uh, the, the season footprint is a challenge for us. Uh, TV windows are a challenge for us. There's a many, many things that go into uh, some of the challenges that we face and in, in, in landing on where we end up landing, but um, I have a feeling that we'll be seeing change fairly soon.
0: Good, good
1: and good question. Yes, sir. Hi there, how are you? I'm good, coach. This is our gaming coach, T-Wolves Gaming. That's what's up. Well, introduce yourself. <laughs> What's up? Hello. So I have. Go ahead, introduce yourself, Coach. My name is Nicholas Gartrell. I'm the head coach for T Wolves Gaming. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so my question is, when you you spoke on it earlier about your your trainer and you had so much uh, trust in them, when you choose assistant coaches, how much does that go into it? Um, also, after that, after the season, do you ever walk up to them, and deem them as like? you are ready to be like a WNBA head coach or go to an NBA staff? Great questions. Thank you. Uh, great Thanks questions. For yeah. Um, in, in terms of the development of our staff, so again, those of you that are here probably know the, the journey that we've been on uh, since 2010, that uh, very, very fortunate Jim Peterson and Shelly Patterson uh, were longtime assistants. Uh, we only had two for many, many years. Um, and, and, you know, Jim and Shelly weren't going anywhere. You know, we knew every year. That they were they were going to be our assistant coaches, and that gave us uh, a lot of stability. Um, and you know, there wasn't you know the, the players weren't weren't changing teams then, so it really kind of gave us a core that we knew we could count on. And then we just oftentimes would change the, maybe the periphery of that core. Uh, but I counted as part of the core uh, the coaching staff, you know, the, the two assistants that I knew I could count on. Uh, we became a very well-oiled machine. Um, don't let Jim Peterson tell tell you he was a great assistant in year one and year two. He was not. He became a great assistant coach. Uh, and it was fun once he really got it going. And, um, you know, the, the TV thing is relatively easy. You know, just give your opinion. Coaching, is a lot different. Uh, you know, it, and I think it's made him a, a much better analyst. Um, and I think he's really, really good. And And so we had, you know, those years we were able to have that consistency and, uh, those two never really looked for jobs. I think, you know, Jim, Jim at one point, uh, only because Tika made him, his wife made him, uh, interviewed for the Connecticut Sun job many years ago. Um, and I think, but Jim just really kind of took inventory of his life and, and, you know, was like, I, I got a lot going on and that, 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 head coach thing is a lot, uh, you know, to have to go through that. And, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, that was a decade that, you know, I know Shelly was with me for a decade uh, and then, when those two it was really more Jim, I, I always joke when Jim left, I had enough money to have, hire two people. Uh, and so then our staff grew to three, so it was opportunity for us to grow. And it was my real first time to actually kind of go out there and see, see what was out there. Um, and I, what I felt like our team needed, you know Lindsay and in, in, you know, kind of in the twilight of her career, and Rebecca, and, and I wanted to get them somebody that could kind of keep what they were doing exciting. I needed a player development person. Right. That's where Walt Hopkins came in. Uh, James Wade was an, it was an easy hire um, in that he was, uh, you know, an understudy uh, to Dan Hughes. Uh, Dan Hughes highly recommended him. Very easy hire. I felt very fortunate. He had a couple other uh, offers. I felt very fortunate that, that he chose to be in Minnesota. It's worked out really well for him, uh, you know, leaving from, from Minnesota and getting a decent job. Um, now, you know, fast forward to those two, um, you know, two men. Uh, getting head coaching opportunities in a very short time, remember I told you it took me ten years it took them took James uh, two years after being in Minnesota. He did spend some time uh, in San Antonio, so he 's probably a little bit different uh, maybe that 's because he 's black. but my white guy uh, fast track to one of the better jobs uh, in the league in in the New York Liberty in terms of you know the market etc, and their you know their their history uh, and so what I learned uh, in that uh, was that People value, it's either the men, and I was gonna do an experiment. They either value the men or the Minnesota Lynx. And I wasn't sure which one it is. Um, And so I was going to ensure that the next group uh, that I was gonna put forth were gonna be women and black women and former players. Um, And so, you know, so if it stood to reason that Walt was qualified in the, the light resume that I feel that he had, um, well, you know congrats to Walt I pushed him I told him you know to answer your question I told every one of my assistants um, you know what they needed to do uh, to, to, to be ready for our league but I'm not a big believer in people not being ready you're never ready never ready so don't wait what are you waiting for Walt told me he's on a five year plan I said why go interview go get these experiences well I didn't know that in his first year of interviewing that he would be deemed so qualified uh, Yes. Okay. Can you give me one more moment? You know, I talk long, so just, just hang in there, be patient and then you'll get your next question. Um, and so, you know, I, I, am curious to find out, you know, for Katie Smith, Planet Pierce and Rebecca Brunson, um, you know, as, as women, black women, you know, when are their opportunities going to come? Uh, I can confirm that, you know, there was one opening and, and one of our coaches, uh, was, uh, approached and, and had a conversation, uh, but I'm really curious, you know, how long was it going to take? Uh, For this, but by the way, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want them to leave. Uh, I Every time I walk out with these three, I'm like, man, what a, like, you know, what a bad ASS staff, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, So it it feels so good uh, because I'm like, they're, they're just so darn good. And, and, and uh, you know, but I I want them to get opportunities. They all want to be coaches and, you know, Rebecca Brunson, you know, you know, like our, our conversation is, um, you know, we're like, she's, you know, more green, had a great year. thought she really grew as a coach. And I told her for the first time, I actually looked at her, I was like, I think she really likes this. Cause I think she kind of came into it with just putting her toe in the water, um, in, in the bubble season, just put her toe in. And I thought this season she got in the water and now we're going to go to the deep end. And, and, and I want to get her ready. And, and, uh, I, I told her the same thing, Lindsay Whalen doesn't have any coaching experience when she called me, you know, about the Minnesota job and ah, geez, coach, you think I'm ready? I said, you're darn right you're ready because no man would ever ask that. No man would ever ask that. You are ready. And, and uh, you know, obviously that's, uh, you know, that, that's kind of very layered uh, in all of that. So I don't know if that, that answered the question. Uh, Do you feel like you got what you wanted? Cool. Good question, by the way.
2: Did you say you're going to go to market?
1: Oliver, would you like to ask your question now?
2: Yeah. Okay. Why did black people, I mean, why did white people... Why did white people used to judge black people and turn against them?
1: Well, buddy, I'm going to tear up here. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's learning a lot, um, and and think about this this time, you know, that that uh, for for such a young person, uh, what his experience over the last year and a half, what he what he's uh, what he's seen, and uh, we're we're so proud of him. I'll, you know, I want to tell a story when he was he was two years old. Um, and I don't know if he remembers, um, but he got in the car and Carly and I were driving somewhere and, and he says, uh, he says, uh, mama, mommy, uh, I'm white. And then we say, yep, you are, you're white, you know, white skin. And, and he said, Azaria, who he just adored, uh, was his first love. I have no doubt. Uh, Ali said, Azaria is black. We say, yes, sweetheart. She's black, black skin. And he says, my heart loves everyone. And this was not like, we didn't, you know, I mean, obviously we have a lot of love in our family, but uh, this wasn't something that, you know, we necessarily coached him uh, to feel and it was so natural to his heart and uh, he makes us proud not, every day.
2: I did not say that for a while.
1: You were two and you don't remember. You did. I have a witness. Trust me. Huh? <laughs> I, I, you know, Thank you. Oliver, to answer your question, is uh, there, there's a lot there. Um... And I'm hoping that, that your generation is gonna be the change that we've wanted to see for a long time. And, you know, we talked about this. Um, I think uh, Nancy Cummings, who uh, was our orthopedic surgeon for our team, we said, can we, we have to find a way that history doesn't keep repeating itself. And, and hopefully uh, Oliver and Elizabeth can be a part of that change. Can someone Thanks, have
2: a headphone for Elizabeth?
1: Because Ollie, <laughs> Ollie doesn't want to share his headphone. Can you take it off and let Elizabeth ask a question? thanks thanks for sharing
2: thanks you're welcome um, why why can't the why can't the links allow boys to play with them
1: <laughs> Oh boy um, why can't the well you know I don't really know how I feel about the the blended teams um, you know I, this was I, I haven't really shared this story either Mark Laurie um, you know has an idea about uh, maybe. You know He doesn't think the women get paid enough, and, and obviously we agree with him, and I think I've shared that story before. And so one of his ideas uh, to, to get women more money is to sign them to an NBA contract, um, which I think was actually rather clever. There's nothing, there's nothing against that. Um, I'm pretty sure that some of our players could play uh, in the NBA, we can play on the Wolves team. Um, you know We've got some pretty productive players that I think that would be valuable. Sign them to a minimum contract is more than what our entire salary cap is um so true um, but yeah that, it's uh you know the men play on the men's team and the women play on the women's team that's just how it is does anyone else have any questions <laughs> <laughs>
0: well uh, hey uh great questions from all ages we do appreciate it uh we appreciate all of our sponsors supporting the program uh i don't do you have a final thought cheryl or do you think we've had enough final thoughts for one night
1: yeah, I, th- I think it's good. I, I just want to say how much, you know, the, you know, the people that support this show, how much you guys mean to us. You know, you're here all the time. I know you're, you're listening all the time. I've run into so many people. I just met somebody at a, at a keynote that said, you know, I, I listen to your show. You know, so I get to meet people, you know, that just walk up and, and say this. And so, you know, um, all the sponsors that, that make this possible. And obviously, Jim, your hard work and Brandon's hard work. Just want to say thank you. Um, you know, I, I feel the support all the time. and It's very meaningful.
0: The funny thing is, you just said hard work. What what I, the most rewarding thing about both this show and the network is, I have been lucky to work with such great people. I mean, so often I sit down, and we're like, okay, we have an hour to fill. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Not really. And it's always like just easy. I mean, it's. it's I mean, we've been on. We've been talking for more than an hour without pause and. I didn't ever have to like come up with a clever question. We just have these conversations.
1: I've and, been accused and, of being able to talk.
0: Yes, well, oh, Simone a, knew as our
1: communications manager, and she's learned that. Yes. Simone's been great. Hello, Simone. We threw Simone into the fire. You know, the season already yeah, started. She had come started. in mid-season. Yeah. Yeah, already started. Let's not get into the, like well, how that happened, but yeah, the, the links were worthy of a communications manager prior to the start of the season, but it didn't happen. But we're sure happy that it, that, that uh, Simone uh, thought our team worth joining. She came from the Mystics. Um, so, we that was quite the steal for us uh, to, to bring her
0: over here. Well, congratulations, Simone. Welcome, and uh, thank you. Thank you for coming out tonight. We do appreciate it. Hey, everybody, give uh, Cheryl a hand, hand, a round of applause, please. And Oliver.
1: Give yourselves a round and of Elizabeth. applause.
2: And Elizabeth. Yes. Raise thank you. Brandon, if you have a question.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll do the uh, Cheryl Reef show after hours now. We'll let <laughs> Oliver run the show. Uh, once again, thank you all. We appreciate it. Thanks to Brandon, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs>